This episode of the podcast is brought to you by... Oh, excuse me. Hello? Frank, whatever you do, don't listen to anything he says. That's not the real Zach. I don't know who he is, I don't know what he is, but do not listen to him. Zach? Um, is everything okay? Yeah, I think so. Okay, good. Bless me, Lord, for I am going to sin. Tomorrow morning I'm going to introduce myself to the parish and lie to them about Monsignor John Pruitt. I am going to tell them this lie for their benefit so that when it starts they'll be ready for what's to come. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Roll the Credits, the podcast, the only podcast that thought vampires were angels. I'm Frank. I'm Zach. And today we are doing... Midnight Mass. Common mistake. Obviously, like, you you just don't know what a vampire is. <laughs> that's, that's probably my biggest gripe with this show. Yeah, but I also think that, like, there is a little bit of, like, merit to it. Like, I think there is a, a tiny bit of justice. There is, in a sense, because it's like everybody's just blindly putting in faith. But it's like... Right. But, like, in this day and age, you don't know what a vampire is. Yeah, but they're on an island, and it's only 23 of them or care. whatever. They have cell phones. There's like 126 of them. They have iPhones. They're obviously making TikTok videos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so why don't you give us the rundown, because there's a good, good amount of names in this. There is. I honestly only put in, like, the people that are, like, the main staple ones, and yeah. then we'll just kind of, like, fill in the blanks. Yeah. But Midnight Mass came out in 2021. It was directed by Mike Flanagan for every single episode. And wrote it. Yes. Your main cast is Hamish Linklater, who plays Monsignor Paul Pruitt. You have Kate Siegel, who plays Aaron Green. Zach Guilford, who plays Riley Flynn. Samantha Sloan, who plays Bev Keen. Raul Kali, who plays Sheriff Hassan. And then the last person I put in was Annabeth Gish, who plays Dr. Sarah Gunning. And for the most part, that's it, except for, like, Lisa and Warren. But... We'll, we'll, we'll work our way in there, because they're more of, like, the side characters. Yeah. Um, and if you don't know what Midnight Mass is about, boy, oh, boy. <laughs> um, it is basically... I'm going to read the IMDb mm-hmm. one, because it's just too much to, like, try to process by myself here. Yeah. Um, and it says, an isolated island community experiences miraculous events and frightening omens after the arrival of a charismatic, mysterious young priest. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a pretty good synopsis of it. Yeah. Um, Obviously, there's a lot more to unpack. And I don't want to... Listen, this is so long. This is so much. It's seven episodes. Yeah. And they're all roughly an hour, maybe an hour and ten. Yeah, like So, like, it's it's a lot to unpack. And Mm -hmm. I don't think that, like, going through every episode, per se... Or trying to like categorize every single event is the way to go about it, Mm-mm. because it's just going to be too long. Yeah. We're, we're going to be here for four hours, um, and so I think that basically the best way to do it is like maybe unpack like our core themes, our core characters, yeah, and like just some really great highlights. Exactly, because um, really, like if you think about it, like episode one through three, very very slow, very like it feels like it's a very like slow burn film. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where like this, like you said, it kind of gets that film vibe to it because like it feels so like isolated, even though it is seven episodes. Yeah. Um, obviously the main theme of it is faith and religion. Um, I really like the fact that 
This show is all about religion, and yet it doesn't feel like it's over-pushed. Like, you know how, like, in a lot of films where it's, like, they talk about religion, it almost feels like, like it's like, oh, my God, it's just all about religion. Yeah, yeah. And this show is literally all about religion. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like it's, like, pushing it too, too much on you. Yeah, I think that has a lot to do with just the excellent writing from Mike Flanagan. Yeah. I said this, I think I said this on the podcast. I don't know if I said it to you or if it was on the podcast, but... I know that I said that I think that this might be my favorite thing that Mike mm. Flanagan's ever made. Yeah, which is bold considering like the stuff that he Everything. has done. Everything. <laughs> um, but I do. I, re- I rewatched it and I pretty much stand by that. Mm. I think that this is by far his best written piece. Well, yeah, because like he really got the chance to like. I mean, he's done it before. With he's been Hill writing House and this Sly for Manor. like ten years, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah, so like, he he has gotten the chance to really like capture what he wants. Yeah, I mean, there's like his the first film that I ever ever saw from him was a film called Hush mm-hmm. about uh, a deaf woman getting terrorized. I don't know if you've seen that. No, but, but it shows up on Netflix a lot for yeah, me. Yeah, so like that was like the first thing I've ever seen. I don't know if that was his like debut or 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 not, but in that movie, she has on her bookshelf. Midnight Mass. Yeah. Which is really cool. <laughs> which is like, okay, that's a really cool like Easter egg, but that just shows you how long he's been working on it mm-hmm. and just trying to get it made. And and basically like it was kind of pretty much being told that like, no, we can't make this, we can't make this. And now that he's got some, you know, uh a little bit of leeway here. Yeah. You know, yeah. Doctor Sleep did really well. Yeah, exactly. So it's you know, now he's got some like um he's just he's allowed to kind of like make what he wants to make i think at this point and i'm happy about that because yeah. i really like mike flanagan a lot i do too um and i think that he's really fucking flexing in this one like oh, yeah. hard, you <laughs> like, know like in terms of like how he can get like development out of his actors and like how he can draw out a story yeah. absolutely the major complaint that i saw from people was everybody being upset about the monologues i love the monologues and i think that they are incredible yes there is not one monologue that i was like this is going on too long or i am uninterested in what this character is saying yeah because listen i think that the main problem when it comes to the younger generation of film watchers Mm -hmm. is they don't they hate dialogue yeah i really think they do they don't like characterization now see i thought that like for a while and then i was like you know what like some people like our age probably still love it right but for the majority, no. Yeah, I think that most people, like, our age and younger, do not like characterization. They like action. Mm-hmm. And the main complaint that I was seeing was, yeah, the show is really good, but oh my god, these monologues. Can we just get back to, like, the main story? But it's like, you're not, you're you're missing the point because the main story is actually what the monologues are about. Yeah, because <laughs> they're, they're literally character development. Right. Like, I think it was episode six, like... Uh, a character, for the most part, that was a side character and then out of nowhere becomes a main character was the Sheriff Hassan. Yeah. And his monologue about, like, you know, when the towers fell and, like, him going to New York City and becoming yeah. a police officer and working his way up, that's a that's a long monologue. That's, like, three minutes. Yeah, yeah. But it gives you this whole insight to him, and now it establishes him for the last two episodes as a main character and why he gets to do what he does in the last two episodes. Yeah. One of my favorite side characters that was becoming one of my favorite characters in general was Joe, the alcoholic. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God. I was I like love Joe. I know. <laughs> because he's introduced as an alcoholic drunk that paralyzed a girl by yeah, shooting, shooting her, her by accident in That's like a Lisa. hunting accident, mm-hmm. which is like really like horrifying. So you're kind of set up to, to dislike him. And then the more the, sl- the the slow burn of getting to know Joe, you're like, 
you're, I love him. You made some mistakes, mm-hmm. and yeah, you're an alcoholic and whatnot, but you actually are, like, a really good guy. Yeah. Like, I love him, like, with his dog. Yeah. Like, I, I was really upset by the fact that his dog died. And I'm sure it was Bev, but they oh, never of really, yeah, they never really like she outright was like and the say, worst. yeah, Bev is the worst. So the thing about Bev mm-hmm. is the actress did such a good job mm-hmm. of playing her as such a bitch that she I got, like, I was mail? like, what? She got like hate mail? Or no, something? oh no, 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 no. I don't know anything like that. All I'm saying is that like. It was a similar effect to the woman who played Skylar on Breaking Bad for me, mm. where it was like I was watching interviews and I'm looking at the actress and I'm like, I hate you. <laughs> and it's like, I can't separate the character yeah. from the actress. Like when I every time I would see the woman who played Skylar on Breaking Bad on like a late night show, I'd mm. be like, I fucking hate you. That's and, how then I I, and then I had to step back and be like, wait a minute. I just hate her character. <laughs> like I don't hate her as a person. Mm-hmm. And I felt that that way towards Bev for a moment. I was like, I hate you. I hate you, and I want you to die. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I felt, too, with, like, Joffrey from uh, from Game of Thrones. Like, same exact thing. It's like, I Can't fucking really. hate, Never I hate, hate him. But, yeah, like, Bev, like, is such a great antagonist in the film. She is the main antagonist, I would, I would argue. I would say that she's more of an antagonist than the vampire. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, you see her more. <laughs> right. But, yeah, like, I think that she is such an incredible antagonist, because it's so easy in this format of like faith where it's like you have the the person that is overconfident that she is like above all else and in god's favor and easily able to just like just hate everyone else and instill fear and that's her whole character yeah like that's what she does really really well yeah i will say that she's like a ride or die for sure oh yeah absolutely but she's with like Monsignor for the entirety of it. <laughs> like even from like when Joe bashes his head in and she sees it. Yeah. And is just like, oh my God. But the thing is it it was the perfect so I was really upset when Joe when Joe died. Mm-hmm. But it was the perfect character to kill off. Yeah. To set her up as the type of person that she is mm-hmm. because they don't like each other. Her and Joe. Yeah. Bev and Joe, she poisoned his dog and they, 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 uh, Joe mentioned to her or mentioned to Monsignor Pruitt that, like, back in, you know, he, he basically says that, like, I grew up on this island. We, I, I've known her since I was little. Like, so they have a history together. Mm-hmm. And, and for Joe to die and for her to be like, listen, he's an alcoholic. Don't worry about it. Like, you know, he's the perfect character to kill off because generally the town doesn't really care about him. Yeah. Cause he's just the drunk. Yeah. So it's like, no matter what, like, he's just going to be around. Yeah. But man, when he was going to the AA meetings that oh, they yeah. started hosting and he, and man, when, when he goes to the, the liquor store and then just like stands there and shakes is like, you okay. And then he's like, nah, and then just leaves yeah. instead of buying alcohol. Right. It's like, you're making, you're making progress. Yeah. And when him and Lisa have their altercation, not even an altercation, when Lisa basically goes on this monologue mm-hmm. about what happened and 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 her kind of like acknowledging that that he paralyzed her but then she ends up saying that i forgive you and joe just is like breaking down and crying i mean it's so good yeah it's so it is good. like that's what this show like does so so well is is it, you, it puts the characters first yes it gives you the character development that being said riley as air quotes main character right I thought we were making a lot of headway. 
Like, we were making so much headway episode one through four, and then episode five happens, which is my favorite episode. I mean, the ending of that episode. The ending of episode four leading into five, five. where it's like he he comes into the rec center, and the yeah. vampire's there, and Monsignor's just like, oh no, <laughs> and it just lunges towards him. <laughs> and then episode five, you're 20 minutes in before you get the explanation of what happened like minutes after that. Yeah. And I think it's amazing. I think the episode is just such a great driving force for Monsignor as a character and Riley as a character. Yeah. The whole monologue where it's like, how does that make you feel? Like about the guilt? The best monologue in the in the show, I think. See, I disagree. I, it's, I'll, it's, I'll tell you mine. It's that or it's later on with We Are the Army of God. Yeah, that's, that's the one. The, that's ar- the-, the army one is like, yeah. in my opinion, I literally had goosebumps and I was watching the first time that I watched it. I looked at my girlfriend and I was like, "Are you like appreciating this right now?" Because this that I think that was the best episode for me. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite so far. Yeah, and it was just, man that fucking monologue. He is so good. Yes. He's, like so that's the thing. Like Monsignor as a character, like like him himself. Um, Hamish, like, he is fantastic in this show. He has this way of not only inspiring you with his monologues, but also from the very beginning, like, from episode one, when when you hear him talk, you're like, there's something off about him, but he's so gentle and, like, caring. Yeah. And it's like, you can't put your finger to it, and then you get that whole mystery for the next three episodes of what is this guy's deal right because you're thinking that he killed the the real monsignor Mm -hmm. or like their kind of you know their older one the one that's been there or you're thinking yeah like you're thinking something bad about him because a you have like the suitcase scene where like the thing's moving around and whatnot and my my biggest gripe is like how the hell did you get that angel inside or the the vampire inside that suitcase? <laughs> uh, you uh, put a blood chalice in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but so like, and and then the great scene of him coming in in the gold mm-hmm. um, garb, and then like Bev being like, you know, you're wearing the wrong one. So it's like, oh wait a minute, he doesn't even know. Like he's not really he's not really a priest. He's not really a religious or at all. Mm-hmm. This is all like a ploy. Like something is like dark here that's going on. Yeah. And although there is something dark going on, I would say that generally his intentions are very good and oh, he yeah. actually is extremely religious and he believes what he is saying. Yeah. Like he, it almost borders on like a cult leader at times. Where yeah. Like he, Towards the end. Yeah. Absolutely. Before like the last episode where he kind of like realizes what's going mm-hmm. on and then he's like, we need to like take a step back. Yeah. He's, literally trying to create the army of god yes <laughs> through vampires yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah i mean and then too like i i think mike flanagan really had like some balls here to have the the main protagonist riley like you see his entire story you watch like his whole downfall from minutes in of like you know he was drunk at a party he drove home he hit this girl, killed her. He walked away with like a scratch, spent five something years in prison, um, came back to the island, and now is like trying to work through his problems. Yeah. And then to have episode five, he tell what happened to Aaron Green and then just die. 
Yeah, and like horrific, like horrifically dead. The (laughs) the balls there to have your main protagonist die a little over halfway through your show, and then you have to like have the reliance of the other characters to be the main protagonist. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of times where that falters and that like really really can go downhill quickly because it's like you don't have that main anchor for the show now. Yeah, but everybody pulls together really really well. Yeah. <laughs> um a fun thing too cuz I I like I said I I've, I've been rewatching it um right before you got here. Uh fun thing in the last episode when Riley's parents like meet back up with each other after they've been turned and the mom is like, "Oh my god, you didn't need anybody, right?" and he's like, "Nah." <laughs> and I just I wanted so badly for a quick cut of like a flashback yeah. of him just gnawing on like five people. <laughs> I thought that would have been funny. <laughs> Um, yeah, there's, there's so much the, the whole idea of them becoming vampires and dying and then like the rebirth process. Mm -hmm. I loved how they actually had the balls. Mike Flanagan had the balls (laughs) to like kill everybody. Yeah. Momentarily. Yes. But still it was, even though, you know, that they're coming back. It's still very jarring to to see like dead children mm-hmm. lying in the church, covered in blood, mm-hmm. and or to drink sight or rat poison, right? right. And to uh, like to have the balls to be like, we're going through with this, and we're gonna fully like commit, and this has to be done. And yes, they get brought back to life, but the idea of still committing to that and being like, no, 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 you're gonna see these kids get like murdered. Mm-hmm. My Very tip good. my hat to you, yes. sir, because like <laughs> Very well you done. don't you don't have a like there's not a lot of directors and not a lot of studios that would allow you to do that. Yeah. You know, like there's there's like a you don't really in movies you don't if if a, if a kid dies, most of the time it's like off the screen death mm-hmm. or you kind of see like you, you get like the implication of death. But you never see them, like, die. Yeah, or it's something that, like, has to do with the story that's building to it, and then it's this one moment and that's it. Yeah. Like in Killing of a Sacred Deer. Yeah. Where this, it's like, nah, just kill them all. Yeah, yeah. Like, in, <laughs> in five minutes, and then we'll just pick it back up where we started. <laughs> I love when when Monsignor gets shot in the head. Oh, yeah. And his eyes all fucked up. And yeah. he's, like, <laughs> he's, like, looking around. <laughs> <laughs> really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, there's so much to talk about. Yeah. And, I'd, and I don't want to, again, we can't, like, get into everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole stuff with Aaron and, like, the baby going missing. Oh, amazing. Is really good because, like, the whole idea of the anti like the blood in in her body and and the cells and whatnot like recognize that as a foreign entity and being like we have to take that out yeah because that's not like her and her pristine prime yeah dr sarah's mom yeah the the absolute amazingness where like i didn't even realize it where it's two separate actresses like from episode one to like episode four when you get like her drinking the blood and then slowly becoming younger. Well, it's not. It's, too, it's, it's the same it's actress. The same? Oh, okay. It's it's her in older makeup, and mm. then they slowly start removing the makeup and making her younger. It looked amazing. You think so? Because I, I, think th- it I thought I, I noticed it. I, I noticed mm. it immediately. Where I was like, I kept saying to my girlfriend, I was like, I was like, why didn't they just get an actual old person? Mm-hmm. I'm like, I for me, I was like, it it looks like makeup. No, for me, it looked. All too real, and then episode six when like she walks down and she's just got like gray streaks in her hair. I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> like I, yeah. it, I didn't even see the the. That's 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 like, how gradual. That's it interesting because I noticed it immediately, and obviously it's there for a reason. Yeah, because 
again, they end up getting healed and they end up going back to their prime. So they end up going back. They end up getting younger. So like that makes sense. But yeah, so like stuff like that, it, it bothered me in the beginning because for me it was so noticeable. But then realizing like why he did it that way, I'm like, all right, like forgiven, like yeah. completely forgiven. And I I think too like cinematography wise, the the effect of when everybody becomes a vampire and it's just like this film over their eyes, yeah. And then yeah, of course, like seeing like the lights the and lights seeing and it all like that. shimmer, yeah, that's really cool, amazing, yeah, that's like really, really, cool. really cool stuff. Um. I want to touch on some things that I didn't like, though. Yeah. Uh, episode one, the ending with all the dead cats on the beach, had nothing to do with anything else from the story. I guess so. Yeah, I was like, I was thinking about that too. I was like, what was the point yeah. of that? And I, I guess it was more of just, I really don't know. Yeah, because it, from episode one, it made it seem like this was going to be more kind of like a Lovecraftian slash like lighthouse vibe. Where it's like sh- weird shits happening on this island, rather than like which weird shit is happening on well, this yes, island, <laughs> but but not to the degree that it like it kind of made it seem from episode one, um, and then also too like I guess the vampire was running away from Riley in that episode, or was yeah. it yeah? So why would he run, why would the vampire run away, and why would also he be clothed in like he's like wearing all white. Yeah. No, he's he's wearing well, like he was wearing the, all black. Yeah, yeah. And, and then like the, the hat top hat. That. Yeah, because he he is wearing that in like some of the other um things. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, um, that that's a good point. Yeah, I don't know why he would run away. Like you would think that he would just unless it was Monsignor, but like still, it might have been him too. We yeah. don't know. We we don't know because mm-hmm. he was wearing the hat that Monsignor wears. But in then in the later episodes, the vampire is wearing like the full like outfit that the Monsignor was wearing. Yeah, that everybody knows him as the old Monsignor, and then. Another one, too, is um, how come Monsignor could walk through, like, daylight and then just out of nowhere, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm burnt by it. Well, because he becomes a vampire. No, he became a vampire by being... No, he bit. didn't. No? No. Remember? So he dies. Oh, with the throwing up and, like... Yeah, but what caused that? But then, then? He, then he had, like, the bloodshot and all that, and then, and then he actually, like, died, and then he came back. But what caused that? Yeah, then? I don't know. I, I, I would have to rewatch. <laughs> There's a couple of gaps. I would have to, like, go back and rewatch that. Um, I guess you're right, but yeah, he, I guess he, I guess he technically wasn't a vampire yet because mm-hmm. he just, I don't know. Yeah. Cause he had the blood in him then, but then, yeah, I guess it's the same thing as Sarah's mom where it's like, she's not fully turned, but she's like regressing back to her younger yeah, self. Yeah, Maybe that's what it is. But then and also then, and then he what, finally hits his prime and then he died. Yeah. But then what caused the throw up then? Like right. Well, that, that, that's death. him like finally like fully transitioning. I guess. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. That part, like... Shut up, Zach. It's a good fucking show. <laughs> no, it is. It is a good show. Um, <laughs> the ending itself, I felt, like, slightly lackluster. Yeah. Just I mean, I mean so for, me, for me, the, the like, final shot was mm-hmm. a little lackluster. But everything leading up to that, oh, yeah. I really enjoyed. Like, the sun coming up and everybody burning. Especially Bev being scared. Oh, amazing. Like, when she's digging because, the hole. Because there's, there's that line that's said. I don't remember who says it, but there's a line. I think it's um, Aaron. Mm-hmm. And she says that, like, everybody is so, you know, religious here. And everybody is so, like embracing of death mm-hmm. and 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 everyone knows that there's a heaven you know in their in their world they know that there's a heaven so in a way you almost like look forward to death but then when it comes down to actually the day of dying 
everybody just wants a few more minutes. Yeah. Everybody just wants, everyone's scared of death and it doesn't. And she's like, that's kind of like a, it's like contradictory. Like you're, you're sitting here and you're embracing it and you're saying how there's a heaven, you know, that like heaven is like the ultimate place to be yet. When, when death comes around, you don't want to go and Bev fucking going to the beach. And then for that last minute, she has like that one idea of like digging a hole for herself and potentially getting out there. And she's terrified and she's crying and she's screaming Mm -hmm. and she knows that she's not going to make it. And then she burns. I mean, that That was like such a great, great, uh, death for a character that everybody despises that was the payback because you were waiting for like anybody to get revenge on her but like in the end it was time right like time got the the best of her (laughs) yeah um yeah so i mean like you said everything leading up to that it's just like at the end when aaron is getting like bitten up by the air quote angel and she's like slicing, slicing up, up his the wings. wings. I wish that I, we actually saw him die. Yes. Or I like wanted not to make it. I wanted to see the sun rise and him just like burn up yeah. over the ocean and like then just you, fall in. It, but I was thinking about it and there's there's a, a scene in which it's like it's either the last episode or the second to last episode where um, I believe it's whose mom is it? It's somebody's it's somebody. One character says like, you know. How do, we're, they pretty much accept that they're not going to be able to know if the kids make it to the boat oh, and yeah, get yeah. away. Yeah, it was Aaron and then um, it was Sarah. Yeah. And they're like, and I think Sarah is the one that says like, I'm choosing to believe that they that they made it. Yeah. And I think that that kind of then comes on to the audience member of the angel or the, the vampire flying away where it's like, you now have to choose to think that he didn't make it, mm-hmm. you know? I guess, but I wanted... I, but I, I would like to see. I, I wanted the visual of it. <laughs> Especially because it's like, I was hoping that he wasn't going to be able to fly at all. Yeah. Like, that would have been, I think, what would have made it, like, more opposed to him, like... Because he, get, he yeah. gets up there, and it's like, yeah, he looks a little bit more, like, labored, but he's still flying exactly. pretty good. <laughs> and there's a lot of holes in those wings. <laughs> yeah. But again, too, he also ate being shot several times and yeah. also being set on fire. Right. So it's like, I don't know what the all-in power of this thing is. Yeah. But yeah, no, I just wanted like to actually see it. A little closure I wanted that. to see it burn up and fall into the water. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And then the, the final line of um, of Lisa I, being like, I can't feel my legs, mm-hmm. which means that like... Everything they, stopped. That, right, that they did accomplish what they were trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And they they did... Um, all of like the whatever, the antibodies inside of her are, are like completely gone now. Mm-hmm. Which sucks because now she's got to go back to her wheelchair, but it's good because she's not a vampire. <laughs> I guess so. Um, so it's like, I guess they can still live. Because that was another thing, too, is like, unless like everything's out of them, when they die, they're just going to become vampires. Right. But they're not. Yeah. Because, again, yeah. her legs, her legs, yeah. it, it's the not working implies that, mm-hmm. that, that it's, it's, all, it's all left them. So, yeah, I mean, overall... Nine out of ten. Yeah, I'd I'd give it nine chalices out of ten. Yeah, I mean it's honestly, I like I said, I think it's some of his best work. I think that um, you can tell that it was a labor of love, and you can tell that you can tell that he himself as a person is like struggling with these ideas mm-hmm. of religion and what happens after death, and like and like creating these characters and having them kind of talk it out as him like trying to wrap his head around it. Yeah, and I really, you know, when when a writer and director pulls from their real life and pours it into great characters and has the talent to write such great dialogue like Mike Flanagan does, uh, you get some really great fucking art. 
And I think that this is an example of some really great fucking art. <laughs> like I said, this is a great example of having a show about faith and religion and not being pushy with it. Like yeah. it feels all like it makes sense. Yeah. And the thing that I also enjoyed one last little note is mm-hmm. that this, the show doesn't also make it seem, it doesn't make it seem like religion is bad mm-hmm. nor good. Mm-hmm. It kind of is in a neutral position. It's like, this is one story and it shows you the good and the bad mm-hmm. of it. And it shows you like, you know, what people, how, how much like hope it can give people and if you how much it can take away right and yeah. and there's just so much there's so much to it there's so many layers um but yeah i appreciate that as myself not the most religious person it didn't feel pushy in being in being religious where it's like religion is good but it also didn't feel pushy where it's like religion is bad yeah it's pretty like neutral did you also have an aha moment where it's like that's what? why they call it midnight. Yes, <laughs> yes. When like he was yeah. like, "Oh, I can't like do it during the day yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Let's have mass at Episode night." Episode four, like, you're like, "Oh, midnight mass." <laughs> you <idiots>. got it. <laughs> yeah. It all makes sense now. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I think generally that's probably most people. Yeah, like it's not it's not really like a given, and because you don't yeah. you don't realize that there's vampire shit happening until like that episode, episode. six. Yeah, so <laughs> it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great, man. I like it. It's really, really good. Uh, I highly encourage you to to watch it. It's perfect. It's perfect for Christmas coming up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, happy Thanksgiving too. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving. Um, I have a recommendation. What Thanksgiving? Yes. Hmm. Too deep, much turkey. Deep frying in you. a turkey. Oh. Apparently that's the best way to do it. Probably. I've heard, but I don't want to burn down my house. Because <laughs> <laughs> I will burn down. Just my do house. it right by a fire extinguisher. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, so... Or by dry wood. Either one. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that we're talking about fire because the thing I'm recommending is like fire sort of related. Not mm-hmm. really, but the name is. Um, so I have... So I've been... T- I told you, I think a few weeks ago that I've been like getting really into watches mm-hmm. um, and like like well-made, like quality watches. And now I'm kind of turning that into the clothing that I'm buying and wearing. Um so I have a really, really hard time buying clothes and then actually feeling like my closet is getting like bigger mm-hmm. because I'll, I'll go out and I feel like honestly in the last three years, my my closet generally looks the same. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I've gone out shopping, but like what's going Like why is my <laughs> closet not looking any different? And I'm realizing that I think what's happening is I'm not buying the best quality clothing and then I end up like donating it. Mm-hmm. So like although I'm replenishing with new, I'm also taking out. Mm-hmm. Like a bunch, right? So it's like it's just like equaling itself out. So my closet's never like getting any bigger. Um, so I've decided that I'm going to start buying higher quality clothing, which costs a bit more, but is going to last me twice as long. Okay. Probably, probably more than twice as long. And I found a brand called Flint and Tinder, mm. and they are incredible. <laughs> honestly, um, they they're again a little bit more expensive. Obviously, like getting like a flannel shirt from them as opposed to going to like Walmart or fucking target or whatever, uh, getting a flannel for 15 bucks or 24 99. It's like, yeah, this flannel is like $120. Oh my God. And and that seems like a lot. That is a lot. But the thing is you pick it up Mm -hmm. and you're like, Oh, like this is way, way better. Mm -hmm. And it's thick and it's warm. And again, the difference is it's going to last you eight years, 10 years opposed to throwing it away after one season. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So opposed to like doing like this fast fashion and like, you know, buying new clothes every single season, I'm, I've been trying to like curate my, my closet to where it's like, okay, I'm going to slowly build up this wardrobe and opposed to going out every month and buying 15 things that equates to $120. How about I just buy one thing that that's $120, but it's significantly higher in quality and made properly. Okay. So Flint and Tinder. Again, a little bit more expensive, obviously, but the quality is really there. Um, mm-hmm. Also, I've been really trying to get like mostly American-made stuff now. Mm-hmm. Again, way more expensive. But uh, when when American-made is done right, you just be it's good. You're, you're just like fuck everything else. <laughs> like horses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, so yeah, I recommend the brand Flint and Tinder. Um, I found them on a website called uh, Huckberry.com. Mm-hmm. Ah, Huckleberry. So, so they have like very like masculine kind of things, and uh, the 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 Flint and Tinder brand is kind of like my personal aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Um, might not be yours, but I recommend giving them a shot and checking them out. Uh, Zach, what are we doing next? Very nice, Frank. Uh, so next for our discussion, we're going to be doing something I like to call the power of method acting. <laughs> <laughs> A rainbow comes yes. out the power. <laughs> oh, here it is. Everybody just imagines the SpongeBob imagination. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Okay. Um, all it's right. Just, it's just going to be a conversation about method acting, actors who do it, the process of it, what it actually means. Right. Yeah. Cool. All right. And maybe where it comes from if we have time. <laughs> okay. Zach, take us out. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Now, Frank, I can't feel my legs. <laughs>